Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Frank Isola. It's Forgiven X Day, Tony. Do you have any X's you'd like to forgive? I'm Tony Kornheiser, yes. I forgive you, Oprah. <laughs> That's funny. I used to read about that all the time on the gossip pages. I've never met Oprah. Nice. You ever met Oprah? I've seen her at Bulls games. Oh, is that right? But then again, I've seen Michael Wilbon at Chicago Bulls games. Um, I don't didn't know that they could have a <laughs> Chicago Bulls game without Michael Wilbon. She I thought that was tickets, and she also sat like in the 12th, 15th row. She didn't sit courtside. Is that right? Gene Siskel would sit courtside. There you go. There you go. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. Wilbon's waxing appointment has gone longer than expected. <laughs> So I am joined by our great friend from The Athletic, Mr. Frank Isola. Yeah! We're still cheering. And we begin today with tonight's Game 4 of the American League Championship Series. Our thinking was that yesterday's rainout would help the Yankees as starter Masahiro Tanaka is able to go tonight on full rest. The Yankees trailed 2-1 to one and did nothing against Garrett Cole in Game 3. So, Frank, is this game a must-win for the Yankees? Uh, of course it's a must-win. You lose tonight, then you have to win three games over three days, and then you have to beat Justin Verlander, and then probably in Game 7, Garrett Cole. So it's and both of happen. those two in Houston. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so well, fine. here's an issue that you have, too. Mother Nature is not kind to the New York Yankees because the Yankees are a bullpen team. That's what the strength of the team is. So now if you play it out over a couple of days, they don't have their starters go more than six innings. In fact, the last starter in a playoff game that went at least seven innings was CeCe Sabathia all the way in 2012. So, Tony, they're going to rely on their bullpen. Now you're asking their bullpen to pitch multiple days. To pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch. Yeah, I understand that. Can we agree that the Astros are the best team in baseball this season? I'm not saying right now, but they're the best team in baseball. So the Yankees... It seems to me the Yankees were in a position where they almost had to win all three games at home. And they've already lost one of those yeah. games at home. And, and I think it's a must win. I think they are buoyed by the fact that Tanaka is historically great yes. in the postseason. If I have these numbers correct, he's got a 1-3-2 ERA. And that's third all time with pitchers with 40 or more innings. And the two ahead of them are, are Mariano Rivera and Sandy Koufax. So this, this affords them their best shot. But to me... They don't win by pitching. They win by hitting. Yeah. They win by hitting. Yeah, but Tony, two years ago, they tried to win by hitting, and it didn't work against Houston Astros. The Dodgers were going to win with hitting, and it didn't work against the Nationals because two great pitchers, and Houston has them just they like have the them. Nationals have, have them, them, could beat good hitting. You know, on July 31st, it was interesting. The Diamondbacks played a day game. Zach Greinke started that day at Yankee Stadium, and that was the night that he got traded. He lost to the Yankees that night. A big thing was... He's not really cut out for New York. We'll see if he's cut out for New York tonight, because this could be a big-time performance by Zach Greinke so, on the road at Yankee So State. my understanding was that he's pitched well against the Yankees yes. this year. But in the postseason, in this postseason, his ERA is 8.38. I mean, I, and look, we're both New Yorkers, so I don't want to overplay it too much. But there is something to be said about standing on the mound yes. at Yankee Stadium yes, yes. in a playoff game. Yes. And the crowd is going to be you know, out for Although blood tonight. tonight, you might not be able to stand on the mound. You might be <laughs> yeah, blown off like, the mound You might get tonight. blown off yes. the mound. All right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, is the son of a former Major League pitcher, is starting tonight against the Denver Broncos on three days rest. And that may not be such a good thing. Mahomes is nursing a sprained ankle. And the Chiefs are also limping, having lost two straight at home. Tony, the Chiefs don't have a bye until the final week of November. So are they doing the right thing by playing Mahomes on an injured ankle? If they win, they're doing the right thing. If they lose in this game, 
Probably not. But if they win in this game, he's got a week and a half yeah. to rest and to heal. You would be crazy. Andy Reid's been around a long time. You would be crazy to do anything that would put his career in jeopardy. He is a 10-year great yes. starter in the league. So for one game, you're not going to risk that. My assumption is he goes out there because there's a combination of he wants to go out there and they think medically he's okay. The problem with the Kansas City Chiefs is based on last year, the players on this team think he can bail us out of anything. Yeah, and that's, We're yeah. going to win because of him. And if he's operating at less than 100%, it's hard to win. Uh, back-to-back weeks, 13 points, then 24. Those are the two lowest-scoring games with Mahomes as a starting quarterback. You do agree that, he, that he's not the same the last couple of weeks. No. This ankle injury, that was week one, by the way. No, I, I understand that, but let's look at the schedule for a second because this is what they have coming up. They got the Packers and the Vikings after this game are next for the Chiefs. Yeah. They got to win this game. It's a hard place to play at Denver, all right? Uh, not only is it hard, but Denver's defense in the last two weeks, they've allowed 13 and zero. Yeah. So Fangio's defense might be taking root. If I'm Kansas City, I, I can't lose three in a row. Yeah. I just can't. I've got to play him. And you're also talking about now you hosted the AFC Championship game last year with the best record. You start losing these games. The key, to me, Mahomes gives you the best chance, and it's That's about right. the defense. When you look at what the Colts and the Texans did, they ran the ball, and they kept Kansas City's well, offense but, off the field. But Denver is not that kind of – they're yeah. not a possession offense. I mean, I, I think that this sets up better for the Chiefs than most I'm, road games I'm, do. I'm playing him. He still gives me the best chance That's, to win. Yeah. The greatest wide receiver in Dallas Cowboys history, Michael Irvin has a solution for the Cowboys' recent woes, and that is to pick up Antonio Brown. Irvin said on Dallas Radio today, quote, we need some H-E-L-P, some real help. I don't care what kind of public relations nightmare comes with it. Wins can cure some of those things. Maybe we should just go pick him up for a week or two, unquote. Frank, can you see Jerry Jones doing this? I don't think I can right now. And if I'm I'm Jason Garrett, don't you have enough issues already? You're really going to bring Antonio Brown in? And Amari Cooper will be back soon enough. The issue is not wide receiver. The issue really is the offensive line. Dak Prescott was under pressure the entire game. And then if you look at Ezekiel Elliott the last three weeks, 35 yards rushing, 62. He did have 105 against the Jets, but he carried the ball 28 times. To me, it's more about the offense. You don't need to bring in – there's enough issues going on with this team right now. A huge Sunday night game at home against the Eagles. I'm not going down this road. All right, so I'm going to take the original question, can I see Jerry Jones doing this? And, of course, I can. He brought in Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, at that point, had already been once convicted of domestic abuse. So he would bring in Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown played one game, caught four passes, and caught touchdown yeah. passes. Antonio Brown's a great receiver. I can't imagine the league allowing him to play. You can sign him all you want. I cannot imagine Roger Goodell saying it's okay to just put him in the lineup yeah. right now. Because by the Patriots cutting him, they gave the league enough time to say, no, 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 we've looked at this and we're not going to do it. I understand your point about the problems on that that club. I think the people that are on that boat now are on that boat for the rest of the yeah. year. The only change they can make now is coach or coaching staff. There, there's nothing else to do because the players on that team are, have acquired the reputations as playoff players yeah. and they're not playing that way. You're now. getting on me for not really answering the question. No, no, no. Let, let me ask you, I'm going to give you a question to answer then. How about the fact that Terrell Owens, former Cowboy, comes out and tells Jerry Jones you got to get rid of the coach. Now you have another, now Michael Irvin's in a different category than Terrell Owens. Michael saying, Irvin is the greatest out, thing on television and radio in the world. world. As if Jerry Jones isn't getting enough advice from people. Here's the interesting thing. That this is a terrible division that they are yes. in. They are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles are getting three points, which means people don't think the Cowboys are dead yet. 
But even if they lose, they're still only one game out in that division. Yeah. So you don't have to make that determination for the rest of time this week. Yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right. All right, the Dolphins are well on their way to an 0-16 season and securing the top overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. They stripped down their roster in what appears to be a classic tank job. Of course, the team says they're not tanking, and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell agrees, saying on Wednesday, quote, we don't see that. He also said the league has no plans to adopt an NBA-style draft lottery. All right, Tony, would you want a draft lottery in the NFL? I, I never saw the need for it. I never thought anybody tanked in the NFL. Yeah. Because players can get hurt. That's right. I mean, the players, you go out there, you, you have to play hard. Now, maybe a team can do what they're doing and get rid of quality players and get nothing back right now in return. Look, when, when they, in the last two-point conversion attempt against the Redskins, Redskins are a bad team. They had scored twice in the fourth quarter. They had momentum. They were at home. You kick the point, you win in overtime. When they throw that dopey screen pass, I thought, I thought they were tanking. It, I thought they were tanking. I, but I think it end? was a bad play. I think Brian Flores was showing compassion by saying, "I will not have a game going to overtime. We'll try. We'll try to win this game right now." But I, I, I don't. I don't think. So that they were my point would be this: even if they were tanking and they wanted a quarterback, which people presume they want, that they want Tua. In the last 20 years, I'm going to give you five names of number one overall yep. quarterbacks who are taken. David Carr, Jamarcus Russell, Sam Bradford, Jameis Winston, Tim Couch. There's, there's no exact science to this. You know what? I knew you were going to do that. Since 1980, John Elway, Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, sure. Cam Newton, Jared Goff have all gone to the Super Bowl. Here's why I would do it, though. Everything about the NFL is TV. The right. NBA draft lottery is a big deal. Yeah, Why not big, do a draft it's lottery a 15, for the first five It's a real good 15-minute show. And with this country, we're crazy about college football and the NFL. Why not do it? Make, make the odds so that if you are on 16, you have the best chance of getting the number one pick. But for a TV event, that's why fine. Not? But you, you, we both think that while we think that tanking in the NBA has gone on regularly, yeah. I never thought it I went on so. in I the agree. NFL. I agree. Never. Speaking of the NBA, Bradley Beal early this morning signed a two-year extension with the Washington Wizards for $72 million, two years. That is a big number. This will keep Beal in Washington for at least the next three seasons. Now, the Wizards stink right now. <laughs> Frank, do you understand this move for both Beal and the Wizards? I understand. Well, obviously, Bradley Beal, you can't turn down the money. And remember, when he does opt out of the contract, 10 years of service, he's in position to sign the richest contract in NBA history until the next guy signs yeah. the richest contract in NBA history. Also, a couple of things to remember. Six months from now is when he can be traded. But obviously, the trade deadline is it's in passed. February. So this summer, the options are still there for the Wizards to potentially trade Bradley Beal. But it seems like from his side and the Wizards, they want this to be a long-term marriage. See, I'm stunned by this. I'm stunned by this because I thought with John Wall out probably for the entire season this year, that the only thing they could do to get players, to get players to get trade draft the best picks, player. He's the, have you seen that roster? I know. He is the only player worth anything on that roster. So that's why it was a little bit stunning to me. I read the Washington Post story today. And the Washington Post story indicates that his agent, Bradley Beal's agent, says that Ted Leonsis, the owner of the team, has assured Bradley Beal that he's going to be at the center of all things. Well, if you're John Wall and you read, John Wall's making, at the end of his contract, $47 million a year and is untradeable as a result. If you're John Wall, you think, wait a minute, what do you mean Bradley Beal? Why is he? The, what about me? You know, it's amazing. They have not been to a conference final since 1979. That is a long time. Now, that's 40 this, years because that's when I went to work in the, the post. The biggest significant, the most significant game that they've played in, Bradley Beal and John Wall together, game, game seven in Boston. Boston. Beal was 11 of 16. 
Your guy, John Wolf. Oh, zero. Eight of 25. No, he last quarter. No points in the last yeah. quarter. I'm, Beal is a fine player, although you rarely build around a two-guard. But does he not want to win? I think he's caught up because you're caught up in this. The Mystics just won a championship owned by Ted Leonsis. Right. The Nationals. You know, not owned by Ted Leonsis, it's owned by Ted Leonsis. But he's seeing how the city's getting caught okay. up in that. Maybe you start to dream a you little follow, bit and you're getting the money. You follow the NBA. The Wizards are two years away from being two years away. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's you're take right. a break. they got to get lucky in the draft. Coming up, what is the status of Giancarlo Stanton? And what's wrong with the Astros rookie slugger? Jordan Alvarez. What, what the Wizards have done recently is they've hired 400 middle management people. <laughs> That's what everybody does now. A lot of- There's only two places for real journalists to be tonight. At blustery, overcast Yankee <laughs> Stadium like Buster Olney or on the living room couch like me. We welcome Buster. <laughs> Let's start with the weather conditions. The rain is gone, but exactly how windy is it? Tony, it's as windy as I can remember on a game day at Yankee Stadium. I just talked to local weather service. They're saying at first pitch, we're going to see gusts of 35, 40 miles per hour. That could dissipate uh, at the 9 o'clock hour down to about 25 miles per hour. But this could be an adventure on balls hit in the air. And also for two pitchers who rely on feel, it's going to be cold. Tanaka with a splitter, Granky with his curveball. I think you could see more runs than what we anticipated as the day began. All right, two follow-up questions. Do you have a sense which way the wind is blowing, if that would keep a ball in the park? And would baseball ever consider (laughs) pushing back the starting time in anticipation of the wind dying down? No, they they wouldn't change the starting time. Look, you know Fox is dying to get the game going. Uh, and, and as one of the groundskeepers told me, look, just watch where the mist is blowing when we water the infield. The flags say the wind is blowing hard out to right field. But when you look at the mist when they're watering the infield, hard out to left field. So when you see fly balls hit uh, to left field tonight, you could see some real damage. You could see some infielders staggering around. Might be what the Yankees need to break free their offense. Yeah, Buster, they've scored just three runs the last 20 innings. Glaber Torres is their best offensive player thus far in the series. They're going to bat him fourth. There was some talk about batting him third. What about what the Yankees have done with this lineup for tonight's Game 4? Yeah, there's no doubt they're going on recent results. You know, Aaron Hicks was injured on August 3rd, and he basically missed more than two months. He's only played a couple games, but he's had good at-bats the last two days, and he's hitting third tonight. And to your point, Glaber Torres hitting cleanup. The Yankees have talked about how much confidence he has, how he always seems like he's in control, like he's in every at-bat. I don't think you can say the same thing so far for Edwin Encarnacion, Gary Sanchez. A lot of frustration showing on the face of those guys. So they put Aaron Hicks and Glaber Torres in key spots. Jordan Alvarez of the Astros was at one point on pace for 300 home runs this year, but now he's in a massive slump. Has he simply been figured out? Yeah, and during the course of the year, when you talk to the Astros people about Alvarez, they always talked about what great adjustments he made from at-bat to at-bat. But let's face it, in the postseason, he's looked like a 22-year-old. He looks like a young player who's seen the game speed up on him. A.J. Hintz, the Astros manager, has talked about how he's expanded the strike zone. He's such an important guy for this lineup. They're hoping at some point he puts it together and he reduces uh, the strike zone for himself and he doesn't chase pitches. I think moving forward as they face the Nationals, especially with those right-handers, uh, if they make it to the World Series, that would be really key. You know, it's been a rough year for Giancarlo Stanton. And, of course, during player introductions, he's getting booed. What's going on with him? And also, what are his teammates saying about him? 
Well, he clearly is struggling with that right quad. Uh, just a little while ago, guys, he was out here uh, running around the infield, and you could see as he was gingerly moving from first to third base, and that would be the best way to describe it, gingerly moving. And as he pulled closer into third base, you could see he was having, having some physical reaction to what he was feeling that quad as he slowed down. And almost immediately after that, the Yankees lineup came out without Giancarlo Stanton in the lineup. When you talk to the other players, they say, look, we'd love to have him in there, but they understand. He's dealing with a physical issue. What I was told this morning was is that the Yankees to this point are not ready to take him off the roster. If they do that, they would not only lose him for the rest of this series, but they would lose him potentially for the World Series as well. I would get you out of here on this. Baseball cleared the Astros of using a whistling noise as part of a sign-stealing effort at home. Do opponents, do they feel that the Astros are stealing signs? There's no doubt about it. Look, there's a refrain around baseball uh, where they suspect that the Astros are doing something, especially when they're playing at home. Now, the other day, A.J. Hinch went into the interview room and he talked about how there's so much paranoia. He thinks it's funny. I do think at times when you're watching the game, especially Alex Bregman, that some of what they're doing on the field, you know, giving indications, look at the glove or move up in the box, you're reading the lips. And some of this now has become counterintelligence where the Astros know they're in the heads of the opponents. And so they're being very demonstrative. But to your original question, no doubt. Folks with other teams think the Astros are doing something in terms of relating signs to their hitters. Thank you, Buster. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Frank. Let's take one last break, but still to come, did JaVale McGee show poor sportsmanship when he appeared to fake an injury last night? And NBA general managers say a Los Angeles team is going to win the title. But which one? So two things about Buster. One, he's a dairy farmer, and two, I want that jacket. Good beat writer way back when. Oh, yeah. New York, Times. New York Times. I like the jacket. He wrote a good book, too. Last Night of the Yankee Dynasty. Why don't I have that jacket? You would look good on you. I would. A little Nats logo on the other side. That would be good. Happy time. People have a 24th birthday, Jamal Adams. Adams is a safety for the New York Jets, who was fined for roughing Baker Mayfield. Adams reacted angrily, tweeting, quote, This league is a damn joke. I got fined 21K for this hit. I signed up to play football, not two-hand touch. I don't give a damn about these soft rules protecting quarterbacks. I'm going to play my brand of football every time, unquote. At that time, we called him a fool. But guess what? The NFL rescinded the fine, so who is the fool now? I love the fact that he called the NFL, NFL out for being soft, and they said, we agree with you. We are soft. Not so happy anniversary to Jim Harbaugh on this day four years ago in Ann Arbor. Michigan was clinging to a two-point lead with 10 seconds left when their punter mishandled the snap, leading to a Michigan State recovery and return for a touchdown as the final whistle blew. That was the beginning of Harbaugh's problems <laughs> against was. teams in the top 10. So far at Michigan, he is 1-9 and nine against top 10 teams. Harbaugh gets another shot at a top 10 team when Michigan travels to number 7 Penn State Saturday night. And they still have games left home, Notre Dame, Ohio State. This weekend could be a big one for them, though. Happy trails to JaVale McGee's knee injury. Watch McGee pretending to have injured his knee and limping off the court. And then surprise, McGee darts back into position to receive a pass and dunk the ball. <laughs> Frank, do you have any objection to this particular type of behavior? Well, JaVale McGee said today he bumped knees. It's like getting hit in the funny bone. I blame Draymond Green. Draymond Green forgot that he was there. He came back out on the court, got the dunk. What's wrong with that? What is your overall opinion of JaVale McGee? <laughs> he has rings. Yes, he does. He has rings. And he's going to do well for them because he's playing with LeBron. It helps to play with LeBron James. Yeah, well, is, does Dwight Howard play at all there? 
They're big signing Dwight Henderson. He got nutmeg last night on a pass. Number 39, he's wearing a terrible number, by A couple of small errors. Michael Irvin made his comments to Dallas radio station 103.5 yesterday, not today. And Justin Verlander will start game five in New York, not game six in Houston, as I suggested. I got that one wrong. But he's going to pitch, though. If you you had to face, if you went back to Houston and you had to face Verlander and Garrett Cole, that'd be hard. We're running out of show and we go to the big finish. The NBA GMs take the Clippers to win it all. Are you with them, Frank? I actually am. I think the Clippers and I think the Milwaukee Bucks, but I think the Clippers will win the championship there. they got to get healthy, though. Luol Dang retired. How will you remember his career? Well, I'll remember him mostly from Duke, honestly, and before that from Blair Academy, where Chan Hardwick was a longtime headmaster. He made $168.5 million in his career. Unbelievable play. A lot of money. Buddy Heald wants a contract extension before Monday. Whoa! The King's going to give him You know what? For a young guy, they offered four years, $90 million. He told the media yesterday in Sacramento, I like it here, but if they don't offer more, maybe it's time for me to move on. So October 21st is a big date. He could end up getting traded at some point. Andrew Wiggins, your guy, says he should be on ESPN's list of 100 best players in the NBA. You agree? Well, he said there aren't 100 players better than me. Mm, Ninety start counting? 97. <laughs> he was the overall number one pick. Yeah. He has sunk. It doesn't matter what his stats are. He has sunk down. Last one, UCLA at Stanford tonight. He got... Stanford's going to win. UCLA, remember they had 67 points in that win at Washington State? Their other five games, a total of 90 points. Chip Kelly, what? I, I thought he was an offensive genius. I, I'm not sure that works anymore. We're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. And I'm Frank Isola. Michael Wilbon, back tomorrow. You can get the PPI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcast. BMW of Fairfax in the house.